everyone. Welcome to Lansdowne Alliance Church. We're glad that you're here today. If you're visiting with us, we're glad that you're here as well. Um, this morning, we're going to be uh, continuing in our series in Acts, uh, finishing out chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 42, which is a pretty good chunk of scripture. So I, I hope you brought lunch because we're going to be here for a while. Um, so going to kind of set the tone for where we're going to be reading from this morning. And if you know in this, if you've read through the book of Acts before, you know parts of the New Testament, the temple is a very busy place. The temple at daybreak, it was hustling and bustling. And many people stopped by there to pray and worship at sunrise. And now on this particular day where we find ourselves this morning, the apostles, they were already there. And they were already within the temple. They were already sharing the good news about what new life in Jesus was all about. Now, also at daybreak, there was something else going on. And it was the high council of the religious leaders of Israel. You see, they were also gathering. But they were gathering for a different purpose than the apostles were. They were gathering to prepare themselves to harass the apostles, to question the apostles and uh, they were not prepared to make a small deal out of this. As they say today in 2022, it was about to go down, okay? The religious leaders, uh, they were ready to do anything and everything in their power to stop these Jesus followers from challenging their power, their authority, and they were going to do it right in front of everyone so they had a nice big audience ready to go. They were ready and they were armed to prevent the apostles from threatening their secure, comfortable positions of being in charge. And they were prepared to expose these apostles and what they viewed as hypocritical motives to the people. But just like the religious leaders were ready with that, the apostles were also ready. But what they were ready with was far greater than anything the religious leaders had because the apostles were armed and ready with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and open in prayer together. Father, we thank you so much for this time to gather in your word and just gather together and worship. Father, I just thank you for this time of worship that we had. And as we dig into your word this morning, may we just hear a word from you this morning. And we ask it all in your name. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and read through all of the scripture, and then we'll kind of go back through and break it apart in pieces, all right? So again, chapter 5 of Acts, verses 17 through 42. The Bible says, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison." So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, 
The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. There's a lot of scripture we just went through. So let's unpack it here. The apostles, they experienced power to do miracles. They expressed and showed such a great and deep level of boldness in their preaching. And most importantly, they experienced the presence of God in their lives. So naturally for them, everything should have been perfect and they should have lived super happy, comfortable lives. And if you know anything about the word of God and know anything about following Jesus, there is nothing comfortable about being a follower of Jesus. We know that that is really the opposite of what the apostles' lives should have looked like. See, the apostles, they were not free of being made fun of. They were not free from persecution, and they were not free from being hated. Now, I know that might be starting things off a little, hey, it's like, oh, great, great news from this guy. Glad we let him preach today. But you see, here's the truth. If you think that being a Christian a follower of Jesus is going to be a smooth and steady journey, you've been told wrong somewhere along the line. Because, I mean, I was told in Bible college, if you are looking for a comfortable, cushy, happy-go-lucky life, stay away from Jesus. 
Because there are going to be days where we're going to be made fun of, where we're going to be mocked for our faith. Because look at these apostles. They were beaten. They were tortured. They were arrested. They were thrown into jail. They were left for dead, slandered by the leaders of the villages and towns for this, all for the sake of spreading his word. Now, see, having faith in God does not make your troubles just vanish into thin air. Now, some might be thinking, oh, thank goodness, he's finally going to get to a good part early on. You see, faith in God does do something, though, about troubles. It does make troubles and times of persecution less frightening because we can't go through those times of persecution without having faith in God. Faith in God does make those troubles a little less frightening because faith in God in those times of troubles and in those times of persecution, it puts those times into the right perspective, the perspective of what is God trying to teach me through this? What is God trying to show me through this? How am I going to grow from this? It shows us what, it shows us what God is trying to show us through it. What does he want us to learn from it? How are we going to grow from it? You see, just like these apostles, they face this time of persecution and suffering. When you share your faith in Jesus with someone, you can't always expect that person to be filled with the exact same amount of joy as you are. Some might mock you. I remember as a high school junior at Western Tech when this, I had my, uh, my tech ed teacher back in the days. I don't even know if they still teach tech ed or not. We made these crazy things in there where we had to build this thing that had to have a certain amount of obstacles and then put a candle out at the end. It just sounded like a great way to light the school on fire because it was a bunch of teenagers playing with fire in tech ed class. But anyways, what I got to learn from this tech ed teacher was that he loved Jesus and he had a relationship with Jesus and we got to talking and actually started taking my Bible to school and we would have a little Bible study before school and then midway through junior year, we got the okay from the assistant principal to start a Bible club in the school. This is really before uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, was what it is today. And uh, yeah, I really thought that starting a Bible club in high school was going to make me the cool kid. Ooh, was I wrong on that one? <laughs> you see, one of the things I also have learned is that sometimes when you share your faith in Christ with someone who is going through a hard time in their life, they might even become jealous or envious because they want the hurt and pain in their life to go away. And they see how filled with joy you are. You see, the religious leaders during this time, they were super beyond jealous of the apostles. But why? Was it the tremendous amount of respect an admiration that Peter and the apostles were garnering from the crowds that they were ministering to? Were, were they jealous because it was more respect than what they were getting? Here's the big difference between the apostles and the religious leaders. The religious leaders demanded respect and reverence for themselves. The apostles' goal was for people to respect and show reverence for God. The apostles were shown respect, not because they demanded it, but because their words and their actions deserved it. You see, some people might feel threatened, or maybe you're part of a friend circle, or we're part of a friend circle, or even in a relationship, a dating relationship, where the gospel really isn't mentioned. And there is a, maybe a de facto leader in that group that now you're bringing in all this Jesus stuff, and they're not really about that. 
Listen, if, if you telling someone else about Jesus makes someone else threatened and insecure, you're not doing the wrong thing by sharing your faith in Jesus with them because your faith is secure because the word of God is truth. Also, some people just aren't gonna care. Some people could care less about this Jesus thing, this church thing. Some people just do not care. They could care less about the Jesus that you're talking about. They could care less about the church that you go to. And those negative reactions, they are to be expected. But remember this, you should be more concerned about serving God than the reactions of other people. Again, from our text this morning, verses 19 and 20, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. See, the angel of the Lord gave the apostles a command when followed, it was gonna lead to a brutal beating. Verse 40 said, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Let's strike anyone as a little odd this morning. You see, the prevailing idea among many believers, both back then and today, is that obedience inevitably leads to blessing. It leads to happy times. If you're a student of the word of God and you know the word, that's not necessarily true. Obeying God more times than not results in some pain and suffering because here's the thing, newsflash, the evil forces, the enemy does not want God's word to get out. The enemy does not want God getting a single ounce of credit for anything. Now, I don't want you to miss this today. Being persecuted for God is a blessing because it's an even deeper kind of blessing because you're making an even deeper commitment to serve the God of the universe and not the ways that this world tries to tell you to live. Francis Chan once said, I love Francis Chan, he said, following Christ is not something that can be done half-heartedly or on the side. It is not a label we can display when it is useful. It must be central to everything we do and everything we are. Here's an honest question that you might have to ask yourself this morning right where you're sitting. If God spoke to you today and commanded you to do something that made you uncomfortable would you do it? Are you still gonna live for him? Are you gonna make living for Jesus a priority in your life? Speaking of priorities, let's chat about those for a few minutes. I think it's safe to say this morning that the apostles knew their priorities. Now, we should try to live at peace with everyone as the scripture commands us to. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You see, conflict with the world and the various governing authorities is going to happen. More times than we might think or like to think about, but it's inevitable. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now, see, in some situations, here's the reality of this. We are not going to be able to obey both God and human authority. 
It's just not going to be possible. However, we must not compromise our faith in God. One of my personal favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, once said this about the subject of compromise. He said, true obedience is the refusal to compromise in any regard our relationship with God, regardless of the consequences. You see, at those times, we must remember to obey God and trust his word because he is and his word is the only source of ultimate truth that we are going to find today. Luke 6.22 says, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Think about those words again. Let me read it. That was from the ESV. Let me read it from the NLT. Listen to this. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? See, when the 101st Airborne was surrounded in World War II, the Germans asked them to surrender. And General Anthony McAuliffe replied, nuts. That's what he said. The Germans tried to figure out what that meant. And while they did those, Allied reinforcements arrived, changing what could have been defeat into a victory. You see, the establishment of the church may tell you to surrender because you're too young, you're too old, you're not liked enough, overeducated, undereducated. You see, if you really want to minister, if you really want to spread the news of Jesus Christ, there are ways to get it done. There are more than enough lost, hurting, and lonely people out there in the world waiting for you to tell them about Jesus. They just might not even know it yet. You don't have to plant a church or start some group that walks the streets all day long and and witnesses to people, but you got to find a place to serve because you're called to serve. Titles, positions, and salaries often get in the way of that because you become bogged down in details that in the grand scope of eternity mean absolutely nothing. Now, I don't know where each of you are this morning, but can I tell you that God has gifted you? God has gifted you and you are called to use those gifts. So when someone needs to hear about Jesus, you're there and you're ready. Don't allow the ways of this world to defeat you when you have Christ's victory inside of you. So later on in the text, you know, we're introduced to this Pharisee named Gamaliel. So what do we know about the Pharisees? They were the other major party in the high Jewish council with the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the law keepers. And boy, were they ever strict about it. Now, not just God's law, but also the hundreds upon hundreds of rules that they added to God's law. The Pharisees were extremely cautious when it came to outward purity, but the reality was their hearts were full and loaded with impure motives. 
Now, if you recall the life of Jesus while he was here on earth, he confronted them a good bit. Now, oddly enough, the Pharisee, this Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel, will become an unexpected ally for the apostles. Even though he may not have necessarily supported their teachings. He was a very distinguished member of the council. And as a teacher, and while he may have saved the lives of the apostles, as we read, his real and true intentions probably were to prevent a division in the council and not to incite or rattle the Romans. Something that's uh, pretty interesting, and I couldn't not share this with you about Gamaliel. Listen to this, Acts 22.3. I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, there you go, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. If you heard what I just said, you heard that correctly. Paul, who would become known as one of the greatest apostles in Scripture, was a student of Gamaliel. See, these apostles, they were extremely popular amongst the people, and Gamaliel knew that killing them was going to start a riot. And this is not something that they wanted to have happen. Not even one bit. So his advice, or as I kind of saw it when studying this, his stalling to the council most definitely gave the apostles some space. And they could continue the spreading of the good news. And his plan worked because the council decided to wait in hopes that everything would just slowly kind of go away and no one would notice. But I think we know what ultimately happened. We know that they were wrong. See, Scripture tells us that Peter and John, again, had been warned numerous times to not preach to anyone, at any place, at any time. But they faithfully continued to do so despite the threats. Just like Peter and John, we too should live as Jesus has asked us to sharing his name and his good news, regardless of the cost. Now, listen, I want to make sure we all know this. (laughs) You might not get beaten. You might not get thrown into jail for following Jesus. Good chance you'll get made fun of. Good chance you'll get questioned. Maybe lose a friendship along the way. Might get a little smack talk thrown your way. But sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is better than staying quiet. The question is simple, everyone. How far are you willing to go to share the good news with someone? I mean, think about it. Have you ever thought about persecution as a blessing? Man, I'm really going through a hard time right now. What a blessing. Man, nothing is really going going the right way. I'm trying to you know, just this, thank you, Lord. It's a really weird concept. It's okay to admit that. It is a weird concept to think of persecution as a blessing. We, we never think of persecution and go, woohoo, let's celebrate. But see, that's what Peter and John did. 
This was the first time that any of the apostles had ever been physically abused for their faith. These men knew how Jesus had suffered. They knew the price that he paid. They knew the pain that he endured. And what did they do? They praised God because he allowed them to be persecuted like their Lord. See, many of our brothers and sisters, are, they're being persecuted today all around the world. I found this article uh, from Voice of the Martyrs, and it reports, for, some, for example, the experience of a young man named Philip who lives in Laos. Philip walked two hours to another village to hear the gospel. Just three weeks after he returned home as a new believer, the police paid him a visit. They told him that any religion other than Buddhism was strictly forbidden in the region where he lived. They accused him of embracing the faith of foreigners and warned him that things were sure to go badly for him. Sometime later, the authorities pressed him to sign a document renouncing his newfound faith. He refused. And before long, his neighbors, incited by the local government, killed his livestock, harassed his children and his family, and had to move to another village. And when he was asked, why did you remain a Christian, Philip? He responded, my people are in darkness, worshiping they know not what, and they are enslaved in their sin. See, many others like Philip have suffered the loss of their jobs and their property because of their faith. Some have been rejected by their family, their friends, and many have been murdered for their faith in Christ. If you get mocked or persecuted for your faith, can I tell you that you're doing something right? It's not because you're doing something wrong or you're not good enough. It's because our God, who is the same today that he was yesterday, that he is going to be tomorrow, has counted you as worthy to suffer disgrace for his name. Suppose someone threatened your life today if you refused to stop talking about Jesus Christ and telling others about him, what would you do? You might be overwhelmed with a temptation to keep quiet. You might stay quiet out of fear of what would happen to you or your family. You see, so many people claim to be waiting for Jesus to come back and for Jesus to come down. And I believe that, that Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. You see, even after being jailed and mocked and beaten and made fun of and arrested and somehow by the grace of God getting released from jail, the apostles went right back to work. They went right back to telling people about Jesus. That right there, church, is nothing short of the miracle-making, wonder-working power of our God. This world needs the church to stand up and tell people about Jesus. You see, when someone is convinced of the truth of Jesus Christ, when someone firmly believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and has experienced his life-changing power in their life, they will have the confidence to speak out for him. And what I just said right now is just as true for us today as it was to the apostles back then. The job of the church is to impact our community to faithfully tell others about him. 
And I couldn't get out of here without using a sports analogy to wrap us up today. It's kind of like the huddle in a football game. Think about the huddle in a football game. See, in just a few weeks, the strongest and fiercest team in the NFL, the Ravens, will take the field once again. And millions and millions of people are going to watch the game. And throughout the game, you see, they're watching. And the team gets into the huddle. What if you went to a game? We know how much that costs. And for two and a half hours, you watched 11 grown men in two separate huddles stand in a circle and talk. That is not what you paid for. 70 plus thousand people in that stadium paid a ton of money to see what difference the huddle makes. What they want to know is, having called the play in secret, does it work in public? The challenge for the church is not what we do in our Sunday morning huddle. It's what we do when we break the huddle, when we share our faith all week long. And it's my challenge to you this week, when we break from our huddle, that we would share Jesus with people that we come into contact with. Because the honest question is this, if we come here on Sundays and we hear the word of God and we walk out those doors and go right back to living our lives the way that we did and we don't let the word of God penetrate us and we don't take what we learn and experience in this room outside of those doors, what was our purpose in even coming here today? If we do not take what happens in the huddle out there to the streets, to our homes, to our schools, to our workplaces, when we break the huddle. Father, we thank you again for a time to get together and worship this morning. Father, and I pray as we move towards uh, communion that we would remember your sacrifice for us and that we would truly Remember that telling others about you is one of the best things that we can do. It's what you've called us to do. It's what you've commanded us to do. And Father, I pray that we would do it with a newfound sense of boldness so that more and more can come to know of you and your saving grace. And we ask this in your name.